Hey, Rachel. Hi, Brian. So how was your week? It was pretty terrible. Um, yeah. Do you remember uh, Brian Fellow's Safari Planet from <laughs> SNL? From SNL? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, so like Tracy Morgan used to play this amateur zoologist who it turns out knows absolutely nothing about animals. And he'd always start the show by being like, I'm very excited and a little bit scared. So let's get going. And that's how I feel. I'm very excited and a little bit scared. And a little bit scared. Okay, well, let's find out what you're scared about. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is no, my sign is no, my number is no. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel. Well, we got through our hundredth episode last week. I really can't believe it. We're on 101, and 101, for some reason, seems more monumental than 100. I know. Like, making it to 100, anyone can do that. But to keep going, <laughs> to keep that's going. 101. <laughs> like, the fact that we didn't stop. What's wrong with us? <laughs> it would have been a nice place to stop. It's yes. like going out on top, like Seinfeld or MASH or... Right, like the box set, but no, we are keep we are plowing <laughs> We're ahead. Still here. <laughs> We're still here. We're not going anywhere. Sorry. <laughs> but we did get a lot of great feedback on that episode and we got lots of congrats on social media for the hundred episodes. Thanks to everybody. We appreciate being appreciated. Yes, and please keep the five star reviews coming. We love it. Um we are very thirsty. Um and uh, we're, we're, Brian, you're still in, in Duck, North Carolina. And I am. This I'm is here a rare in two, New York. Two-week two vacation. I have the ocean waves crashing at my back here. It's been 70 degrees today. And somehow I managed to pull my shit together to do a podcast That's tonight. That's delightful. You're very committed. Um, and next week we'll be back in Tribeca, which is very exciting. Um, and we so we have this whole lineup, but something happened yesterday um that rocked me to my very core it was yet again a push notification but it had global and personal implications um it was a washington post story saying that two former twitter employees were charged with spying for saudi arabia and um they according to the indictment they accessed information about saudi dissidents through the Twitter system and shared it with an intermediary who was working for Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, you know, the same guy who ordered the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, and th this is a really big deal for a lot of reasons. Um, it's the first time that federal prosecutors have publicly accused Saudi Arabia of running agents in the United States. And um, it turns out that uh, these two people who were charged, one of them was my coworker when I worked at Twitter. <laughs> so, you texted me this item and then you texted me that information and I literally dropped the phone <laughs> um, and collapsed in both tears and laughter. I, I have a lot to say about this. We will talk more about this later. But like this guy, um, his name was Ahmad Abuamo, and he was on the same team that I was, the global media team. He's literally in my Gmail contacts. I started typing his name and it auto-populated with his <laughs> now defunct Twitter email address. <laughs> like, you, should, you should email him and say to catch up over coffee. Like, hey, hey, it's been a while. Right? I want to pick your I want to pick your brain about international expansion, <laughs> international <laughs> espionage. So um, we will we will talk more about that later. I have an interview with um, another 
coworker of mine and we uh we reminisced and and we were both in shock so just bear with uh, us. the good time you remembered about the good times yes <laughs> okay well back to our planned rundown so I have this week been obsessed with the Roger Stone trial. And Rachel, I told you I wanted to talk about this. And you're like, I haven't been following it, right? Well, I have been following it obsessively because it is the most wackadoodle thing I have ever seen. It's now, surprising because I'm normally very up on Roger Stone, but like I couldn't take that on this week. There was like just too much going on. I, would, I took over the Roger Stone beat this week. <laughs> so for those who might not be acquainted, he is, I don't know if he's a household name or not. Who is Roger Stone? It's hard to describe. He's Technically, I guess he started as like a lobbyist in partnership with Paul Manafort. He was like a Richard Nixon guy, right? Yeah, yeah. He was like a Nixon through Trump. Every like scummy politician he was the strategist for. And he's known as being a, quote, dirty trickster. He embraces that that, uh, name for himself. And the reason he's being dragged into the the narrative now is that it during the Mueller investigation it became apparent that he was the conduit between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks. Right. And there is ample evidence of this. There are phone records that coincide between him and Trump and him and the campaign with WikiLeaks releasing the emails. There's actual videos of him bragging that he has back channel communications with Assange and he's saying there's no telling what the October surprise might be. So obviously he was in the Mueller investigation. Oh, there, this is a tweet where he said like tomorrow will be john podesta's time in the barrel right yes <laughs> yes he was making no attempt to hide <laughs> his connection bragging. between the trump game. oh totally totally yeah. um so when he was called to testify uh he lied of course shockingly and subsequently he was charged with lying to congressional investigators and witness tampering and finally his trial is starting this week and he faces up to 20 years in prison so a while back he was arrested and we should have known we were in for a fun rise because a uh, ride because two weeks after he was arrested you may remember this i think we even talked about it he posted a photo of u.s district judge amy jackson with crosshairs next to her head and he also posted a video on social that said it was called roger stone explains how to dress for court okay. he's very proud of his uh, sartorial splendor well anyway that's all by way of saying that the trial is now here the long-awaited trial of roger stone it's a circus. Oh, it is a like. It was a circus it w- before it, it will, started. <laughs> it will literally become a circus. So we are finally getting to see what his defense is in all of this. And the attorney presented the overview of the defense, and his defense is this He was just kidding. He sat before Congress and testified and told a bunch of lies, and he was just kidding. They say he didn't fully realize what they were asking about. His lying wasn't intentional or malicious, it was just for show. Just to get a laugh. That's not. I, I, I'm not <laughs> a lawyer, not a... <laughs> but that does not seem like an admissible defense. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think he doesn't quite real. Oh, wait till you hear what they have planned for this trial before we do this. So, okay. just in the first, they read some of the text messages. Every other word is a curse. Tell X to go fuck himself. Don't be a pussy. Um, but this is just a preview of what's going to happen. The prosecutors have filed a motion. They want to show the jury a clip from Godfather Part Two, right? As part of their as the part of the finest movie ever made, <laughs> right? And it might involve a tiny white dog that may or may not appear on the stand as a witness. <laughs> Randy Credico's dog. 
No, we'll get to Randy Crittenden. Yes, it's Randy Crittenden. Or is it it Jerome Corsi's talk? It's one of those two. I feel I get them confused. Yes, Yes, we'll get it to Randy. So the godfather is that he asked uh, someone to do a Frank Pentanielli. I should know this. The godfather people are going to Pentanglia, Pentanglia, I think. Pentanglia, right, who's a mob associate who lies to Congress. He's like, do a Frank Pentanglia. Because he brought the the brother of, like, the witness to the courtroom just to You know so much. You should be a defense attorney for Roger Stone. (laughs) (laughs) No, or a film expert. (laughs) (laughs) You're our world's greatest godfather. I've seen that movie like a hundred times. Oh, really? Yes, I love it. I saw it it once and I have no idea what's going on. It's It's so good. The the lighting is so bad. (laughs) Okay, and then the dog is, in fact, uh, Randy Credico's dog, who's a liberal radio personality. Um, He tried to prevent Randy Credico from cooperating with the investigation, and he sent a series of expletive-laced text messages. He told him to prepare to die and threatened that he would take his dog, Bianca. Okay. If he testified. Okay. Wait, Roger Stone told Randy Credico that? That he would steal and take his dog, his white dog, Bianca. Okay. (laughs) Right. So this is an airtight defense, the way I say it. (laughs) He was just joking. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It's hard to know. What what is this as a joke? Is he really going to call a dog to the stand? Wait, but I I heard something else that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Better, worse, additional? (laughs) So I heard that on the first day of the trial, like someone had a seizure before. Oh, no. He. How did I leave this out? You're right. And like. No, he. No, didn't he say he had food poisoning? He like collapsed to the floor and crumpled up. (laughs) No, but there was someone watching the trial. Because you were like, this is so crazy. And I was like, all right, I have to Google it and see what's going on. And I just saw this story about how Roger Stone like basically had diarrhea. The, the right. judge. Oh no! And the judge, the judge offered him Amodium. Her, her Amodium. She's like, I have it in my chambers. Do you want some? It's very nice of the judge. I, I buried the I buried the lead here. The diarrhea is always the lead. <laughs> I just think that judge I, is so magnanimous. Like, here's a guy who put like a target on her head on Instagram, and she's like, "Oh, you have diarrhea in my courtroom. Let me help you." Like, she's she, so motherly. She's she, mothering him. She's amazing. Yes, Amy Berman Jackson. I love you. I tell you what happens when he's in prison, gets diarrhea. No one's going to be offering him Imodium. No, no, and I think it be... was self-induced diarrhea. <laughs> well, of course, he's it buying was like time. It was Munchausen's by proxy. <laughs> but didn't he say like it was? I, I do know more about this than I let on. But didn't he say like it was something he ate for breakfast? And I'm just oh, like, well, what did you eat? Like habanero peppers <laughs> laced with like rat poisoning? Like what? Like what do you eat before you go? Anything to court? for a show? Anything for a show? This guy is knows. This is the Trump defense. His only defense is that he's fucking crazy. He has diarrhea. <laughs> so I can't go to prison. My diarrhea is too bad. It'll be maybe he'll go to the prison hospital, the infirmary. Okay, no, okay. can we just? No, we're gonna stay tuned to this. Thank you for the diarrhea addendum there. Come on, the story. The story. No, it's perfect. The story wouldn't have been complete without it. I, I guess I wasn't as much of a Roger Stone obsessive as I thought I was. Nope, shut nope. this down. No. Enough. Goodbye, Roger Stone. Okay, Rachel, what do you have? So I want to talk a little bit more about Facebook. Um, it seems to. 
continuously come up on this podcast. Last week, we talked about all of these problems that uh, are besieging Facebook. The company has, you know, trust issues after the Cambridge Analytica hack. They refused to ban blatantly false political ads. And then Mark Zuckerberg testifying before Congress about his Libra cryptocurrency consortium was a disaster. A couple weeks ago, he went method as the Emperor Augustus with a terrible haircut. And um, I am here to say that Facebook heard these criticisms loud and clear. Oh, they're taking them to heart. They're they, changing they are their taking ways. them to heart, and they've they're made like some... Michael Jackson. They're looking at the man of the mirror, and yes, and they asking are, him to change his ways. They are making some changes, um, and it shows how seriously they take people's concerns. Okay, what do they do? I have no idea what you're talking so about. So first, do do? Um, a BBC journalist discovered that Facebook has updated their community standards to protect the world from harmful content. And you oh, may ask, well, that's very noble. That's what good. is that? Okay. What what kind of content? <laughs> I so, feel let down coming. <laughs> um, so this is very important. The eggplant and peach emojis henceforth will be banned on Facebook and Instagram for being, quote, suggestive elements. That's how Facebook is redeeming itself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't worry. Like, like eight, wait, eight-year-olds use the eggplant emoji. This is hardly... <laughs> we have, like, Russian trolls, like you know, destroying the world on Facebook and they're worried about eggplant emojis. This is what they're worried about. Um, you know, but but don't worry. Don't worry. If you're just like tweeting, not tweeting, if you're posting about your eggplant Parmesan recipe on Facebook or Instagram, your your post will not be banned. It will only happen if the emojis are paired with sexual content because the eggplant has become the symbol for a penis and the peach is a butt. No, I think we all know that. Well, I think people do know that. My grandma would know that. For for anybody who doesn't know, I'm just putting it out there. Um, (laughs) No, I know, but it's they're putting this forth as if it's some like you know enlightened revelations. Like we have discovered (laughs) that people are using the purple eggplant emoji as a proxy (laughs) for the phallus, and therefore to improve. (laughs) <laughs> our position in the world and be a force for good. But also they think this is the because this is all for public consumption, right? They're getting a bad rap in the press. Everyone hates them now. So they think, oh, this will be our gesture to show we're good global citizens. No, I think and that's they, the best they come up with. I, I guess so. I mean, they just changed these community standards and a journalist noticed it. They like quietly did it. But like, I just feel like this is the this is the thing that they're focused on. Like, you know, the <laughs> wild emojis, but there's more. There's more. They also decided to rebrand because what do you do when you're under fire? You you do a total, you know, overhaul and a rebrand. Sometimes They're, you even change the name. Sometimes you even like totally change the name. Like change... Altria, like Philip Morris to Altria. Right. Like exactly. Philip Morris could not be redeemed. Right. So change it up. Right. Or like the artist formerly known as Prince. Right. But that was for different reasons. <laughs> different reasons. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Unrela- unrelated. But yes. Or Snoop Snoop Lion. Okay. Um so they have a new name and it is um Facebook. All caps. Wait, what? Oh, all caps. I thought like when you say it you have to shout it. You do. It's like my mom texting. It's- 
It's the law. It's the, it's law. the law. You have to you shout. Have to. That's how I see it, though. When I when I now read their new logo, it it sounds like a shout in my head. So wait, when it's in like an article or something, you can't just say Facebook with like lowercase regular initial caps. You have to write it in all caps. Well, no one's going to do it. I can tell you for sure. Like it doesn't adhere to the editorial standards of like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. Like no one's going to. Are there other brands that are all caps that we we either adhere by that or dis or or ignore that? I'm trying to think of other brands that are all caps. No, 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 (laughs) no. I I can't think of any. (laughs) They're alone in their idiocy in this one. Yeah. But so the company said in a blog post that the the new logo was designed with clarity and openness in mind, touting the, quote, harmonized capital letters. (laughs) And like, when you think of Facebook, do you think of like harmony, (laughs) openness, clarity? (laughs) No, I actually, I think it might be good because I think of shouting. And Facebook in all caps is shouting. It is. That's true. That's true. Um, They said, quote, the subtle softening of corners and diagonals adds a sense of optimism. Um, What are they going to do next? Like widen the margins of timeline posts? (laughs) Like change the color of the toolbar? Like the sky's the limit here. We don't know. We we don't know. Um, So I say, nope, Facebook. I mean, nope, nope, Facebook. You, you can fool us with these dumb you cosmetic things, changes. You have a lot of things to improve with yourself. Do not tinker with it. The, the, the name is the one thing that's fine, frankly. Yeah, totally. I mean, the I logo no should just be like a giant peach emoji because they're a yes, bunch of assholes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Shut it down. No. 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 So this story comes to us from the Manchester Evening News by way of the New York Post. And, um, Manchester, England, or Manchester, New Hampshire? Manchester, or... England. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, and the headline really says it all. Uh, the headline is, Man tried to have sex with a pile of leaves in a hotel car park, <laughs> which means a parking lot for us Americans. Right. Okay, I have so many questions. So does it mean he was just laying naked on a pile of leaves? I mean, I feel like this is what happens when you could no longer express yourself with eggplant emojis. You take out your sexual yeah. urges on unsuspecting leaves. <laughs> it's unintended consequences. <laughs> yes. So here's how it <laughs> all happened. When, when they wrote the law of unintended consequences, this is this exactly is what they were what thinking they of. <laughs> uh, so a 26-year-old man named Michael Gersorki was seen thrusting with his trousers around his ankles in the parking lot of a premier inn, which I guess is like a British holiday inn, in view of families who are having dinner at a nearby pub. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Little Johnny, look away. <laughs> look away. What, They'll never be the same. <laughs> They'll never what's be the same. What's that man doing in the car park? <laughs> <laughs> in the pile of leaves. So a hotel staffer saw what was going on and came out and shouted, what are you doing, you dirty bastard? And so Michael did <laughs> what any of us would do in this situation, because who among us has not been in this situation? <laughs> he hid in the bushes. <laughs> like Sean Spicer. And so <laughs> Wait, he was already in a pile of leaves. Could he have just like dove in deeper into the pile? <laughs> it would have been more convenient. That's what he should have done. He would have had to have traveled as far. He could have just <laughs> take cover. Take cover. <laughs> so the police came and they 
they coaxed him out of the bushes. Wait, how do you have to coax someone? It's not he with the co- He was like not coming. He was like, nope. I'm, I'm. How hard is it to get someone to grab someone that was pants around their ankles <laughs> to get them to come out of the bushes? Just grab them by the wrist and tug. You know, I don't know how. Maybe this was a very thick bush. Maybe he like. Well, they. <laughs> He had a thick bush. Oh, oh God. Um, no, no they, they I didn't have, mean it. No, because they, they, they have those hedgerows in England. They're treacherous. Yes. Maybe it was a classic British countryside hedgerow. <laughs> I think that must have been what it was. So, so his defense lawyer, so he had his trial this week, and his defense lawyer, who has the very British name Neville Warburton, said that Michael, <laughs> quote, got himself into some sort of state by taking... <laughs> <laughs> by taking a combination of illicit substances, including cannabis, alcohol, and cocaine. And the lawyer said that Michael was mortified by his own behavior, and he assured the court that Michael has no intention of ever returning to the premiere inn. <laughs> Thank God. I'm sure like that is that is punishment enough to never Except have to go is back. He allow, is he allowed to book a room like the Fairmont in, <laughs> right. in Vancouver? <laughs> I no, he's never allowed to come back, I don't think. But the the magistrate He should he should use the Roger Stone defense that he was just kidding. He was just kidding. He was yeah. He was just kidding. He was just, he had diarrhea. Um <laughs> <laughs> the magistrate, who's a guy named Edward, Edward Tasker, was very empathetic. Um, he told Michael that he seemed embarrassed about what he had done. And he said, uh, you know, quote, this is something not really nice to do outside. And uh, he also told him to think about your life. And he let him go with a 122 pound fine. And I say, nope. What about the leaves? If any so of those leaves... They get the damages. They should get damages. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they should get unraked or scattered <laughs> to, to the sea. I don't know. <laughs> if any of those leaves were like on the jury or in the courtroom, I don't think he would have gotten off so easily. This behavior is no, totally unacceptable. Isn't there, is there supposed to be a victim statement before there's a sentencing? Yes. Do, don't the victims get to give the their side of things? The should and... have their say. They should have their yeah, day they in court. Rustle. They, could, they could rustle and <laughs> fall and turn colors <laughs> they're embarrassed their they're turning are... red <laughs> okay are you done I'm sorry I'm done I'm done <laughs> shut it down no you should be embarrassed <laughs> no okay so you mentioned I've been on vacation and you know you th- when you're on vacation you say you're going to do all these productive things but you know, like a lot of people, I spent a lot of time just staring at the computer, going down like inter- internet wormholes and Porn. trying to figure. You know, no, <laughs> I would never. I would never. <laughs> I would never. Um, no, like BuzzFeed and YouTube and stuff like that. So, and you learn the strangest things when you just follow your curiosity. And and I learned some new things about my own people. The gays. Oh. <laughs> Not from porn, but from BuzzFeed. <laughs> um, but it turned out like a lot of things to be actually very true. So I learned this week, TIL, today I learned that um, the gays actually invented iced coffee. Really? They're Tell obsessed me more. with iced coffee. They're yes. obsessed with turns it. Turns out. They're obsessed with iced coffee. They invented iced coffee. They're the only ones who drink it. They drink it in the winter, in the summer, in 
all different seasons. And this whole thing started <laughs> with a Twitter. There was a picture of a guy in a blizzard holding an iced coffee. And there was this whole thing of like, why is he it's so cold? Why is he drinking iced coffee? And the, the definitive answer was obviously he's gay. And of course, this unleashed an entire torrent of uh, of this meme that gays and iced coffee. So one person wrote, when you're gay, you have to come out twice, once as a homosexual and a second time as someone who loves iced coffee. I can't explain it, but gays hate hot coffee as much as they loathe parallel parking. I said, oh, okay, I hadn't heard that one. So then I <laughs> go down a parking? different... Wait. I, yeah, that's right. So I go down a different wormhole. <laughs> And it turns out that there's this whole thing about gays and parallel parking, that they don't know how to parallel park. And there's this picture, like a screen cap from a local TV news thing. It says, gay people parking in their car to get iced coffee. And then sure enough, there's this picture of like a car careening off of a parking lot. (laughs) And it says, three minor injuries after a car drives through restaurant. (laughs) <laughs> because it was gay people trying to parallel park their car. This is a hazard to society. It's a moral hazard. <laughs> so, of course, there's all kinds of quotes and things. Someone wrote, the lady at Starbucks today asked, are you sure you, what you, are you, sure you want it iced? It's cold out today. And he says, like, bitch, I'm gay. All I drink is iced coffee. But there are some actually interesting uh, expl- cultural explanations, GQ Uh, had this thing to say. I actually like this explanation. It says, gays will do ridiculous things, and there's something so counterculture about drinking an iced coffee during the winter. Hot hot coffee is so normcore, like it's for dads and old people commuting on the train. So I kind of like that. That makes sense. I mean, I see gays rushing around the city in the winter with their iced coffee in hand and running in and out of buildings. Does it have to do maybe with vanity at all? Because like maybe if you drink coffee from a straw, it doesn't stain your teeth. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. What are we going to do now that there's sippy cups? They're phasing out the straws. Oh, maybe, maybe this will change the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, there's so many different possible things. It, it made me it made me realize there was so much more to my identity than the, than the <laughs> <laughs> We all have multiple elements to my identity. So, um it made me think what else do guys love or hate or are good at or bad out? And um I had a shocking shocking piece of research. It turns out that gays cannot sit on chairs properly. They can't sit on chairs. Okay. <laughs> on chairs. They can't parallel right? park. <laughs> they they can't have hot coffee and they can't sit in chairs. Okay. They can't sit I'm in learning. chairs. So, this is like my mind is, is <laughs> So blown. there are thousands of pictures all over the internet of gays trying to sit properly, but their feet are tucked under each other, their limbs are sprawled out every which way, they're perched on an office chair like a praying mantis they're falling onto the floor half one ass cheek on the chair one off not like they're just like contorted up um they can't be held a container cannot hold (laughs) them (laughs) so yeah so i i mean i I mean, we've seen these people. I don't know if it's a gay thing or not. Like they go to a meeting in an office and they suddenly like they start curling up their feet under their thighs. And I don't know. Oh, yeah. I used to like have a manager who would sit on the floor at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, was he gay? No. (laughs) Not that (laughs) you know. The theory is over. (laughs) Okay. But final item on this is there is a product for everything. Um, having noted this trend, uh, a Brazilian artist uh, designed and an Iowa dad made a product that is now on Etsy called a buy chair. <laughs> and it is a chair 
for bisexuals. Like a high chair? Is it like a... <laughs> but it's a bi chair. And there are pictures of it. I'm sure you'll link to it. It is very attractive. It's like cobbled together with wood. And there are armrests at two different levels. So like you could be like askew and have one... <laughs> one elbow on one level and another and then there's like half a footrest designed for you to like curl up your calf and like rest your calf on it like a like a pew wait but um, but i have a i have a question can bisexuals sit in chairs or is it does it apply to both oh gays i don't know and the bisexuals pic- the, the the picture appears to depict a someone who visually presents maybe as a lesbian although could be bisexual and i know better than to guess by appearances but i think it was trying to give off that impression and do lesbians um, drink iced coffee in the winter there's so many there's you know, so many questions that i have answered this is all this is all new to me this like they said new. it's like coming it's like coming out a second time i had to do it once and now i have to do it this again. this is a I field to, of study this is very gender this is a new this should be a new gender studies sub sub like genre product like products For, and behavior, right? Material, material culture, and and uh, body posturing. <laughs> yes. like, that's a course. <laughs> and fluid and fluid dynamics, <laughs> and mechanical engine and, and automotive engineering. No, no. If this is being gay. I don't want to be gay. Shut it down. Shut Usually, it down. I'm happy no. to be gay. Shut it down. No, no, no. no. Um. So I okay. I see here. I, I I see here. It says Rachel surprise topic. Yeah, what what so is that? Right. Kind of came up, and I I had to address it. So there's you know I I love film. I used to write about film. Um, there's a new Vietnam action drama coming out next year called Finding Jack. Okay. Oh. Pre-production is starting this month, and you know this seems like a normal story. There's so many. Vietnam action dramas. The film's an adaptation of a novel that focuses on the abandonment of more than 10,000 military dogs at the end of the Vietnam War. And in the book and in the script, there's a character called Rogan. Okay. You following? I'm with you. I'm following. <laughs> Very complicated so far. <laughs> Vietnam dogs, Rogan. I'm on it. Okay. <laughs> the director is this guy named Anton Ernst. And he's known for films that nobody has ever heard of or seen, like Safari and Eternity. And he just could not find an actor in all of Hollywood to play the role of this young American soldier named Rogan. Um, so, <laughs> so he told the Hollywood Reporter, quote, we searched high and low for the perfect character to portray the, ro- <laughs> the role of Rogan. <laughs> Wait, Rogan's the person or the dog? <laughs> The person, okay. uh, which which has some extremely complex character arcs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's too much. Um, and after months of research, <laughs> we decided on James Dean. <laughs> Wait, like an animatronic James Dean? Yes, yes. How are they going to reanimate him? <laughs> so, James, he was only in three movies. Yes. They don't have enough footage for him. <laughs> yes. So, for those of you who <laughs> don't are, are too young to know who that is, <laughs> um, since 1955, James Dean has been dead. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> primarily known for being dead. <laughs> For Rebel Without a Cause and dead. Yes, it's very sad. So 
Anton, the director and his co-director, a woman named Tati Golik, they hired two visual effects companies, one in Canada and the other one in South Africa, to recreate what the filmmakers describe as, quote, a realistic version of James Dean. They got the rights to use his image from a company called CMG Worldwide that represents James Dean's surviving family. And um, this is a huge moment, evidently, for dead celebrities and their agents. Um, it sound, But it sounds like that would be a significant undertaking to license the image of James Dean and to have the technology man, manip- manipulated. And it sounds like this guy's a nobody. How did he pull off how this How did he pull this of- off? I know. I want to know what the, like, what the, what money changed hands here, right? And like, who, who's going to give voice to James Dean that they obviously have to hire an actor to, you know, say the words. This is just going to be an right. And it's not just going to hit, not just going to be him like leaning against a car saying like cutesy things. Like he's going to be interacting with Vietnam dogs. (laughs) Presumably that's going to take some specialized, specialized acting skills. I know. I know. Like I do not believe you sure this isn't a fraud, this no. story. This isn't a hoax. No, it's true. It's in the Hollywood Reporter. So the CEO of this company, CMG Worldwide, told the Hollywood Reporter that this opens up a whole new opportunity for many of our clients who are no longer with us. Which is just—I no, mean, no. it's just such a nope. Um, but they do that. They do that with music. There was the Michael Jackson hologram show. They're doing a Whitney Houston hologram tour coming up. Yeah, I um, mean, I think it's a little different because it's at least like them singing their own songs. Like this is like putting them in a context that they never. I don't think this is possible. They should just make it an animated film. Like just animate it. Uh, like, well, oh, I mean, the worst part is this. this. So at the end of the piece, the producer is quoted by saying that, like, now we've closed with this iconic figure. It's like they got someone attached to the project. <laughs> they're looking forward to getting other actors on board. So they're going to call up <laughs> wait, actors. Li- li- or de- wait, they should find more dead actors to <laughs> right. do it. They're going to have to raise the dead. Like, what kind of actor is going to be like, I'm I'm, I'm joining this project? No, they could do it. They, I'd like them to do it with the entire cast of... Rebel Without a Cause. I'd like them to reanimate <laughs> Natalie Wood and Sal Minio. <laughs> right, in a movie about <laughs> Vietnam dogs. <laughs> Rebel Without a Dog. <laughs> so I think this is this is so terrible. James Dean would never agree to appear in this movie. I don't know that much about him, but I know enough to know <laughs> that this would not be for him. <laughs> These actors pass. It would be a hard it would be a hard pass on this project. Hard fucking pass. So no, 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 no Anton no. Ernst. No, Tati. Stop. Just stop. <laughs> That was one of the craziest things I've heard in forever of nope. Okay. It's too much. It's too, too much. much. Um, okay. Okay. Back to the world of uh, today's politics. We Could we go back to this uh, crazy Twitter Saudi story that you have personal experience with? Yes. Um, back to the Saudi spies uh, who are working at Twitter. So just like to give you a little bit of background, um, my job at Twitter was on the media team. I was the head of film partnerships. So I was the external facing person who dealt with Hollywood people. So if there was an actor who needed verification or was dealing with trolls or wanted to come to the office for a Q&A or some sort of event, I was the person who handled all that. And this guy, Ahmad Abuamo, the spy, did the same thing. But while I dealt with the world of entertainment, he was focused on the MENA region, the Middle East and North Africa. 
And so he would handle not only celebrities, but politicians. And, you know, he got to know this intermediary um, from the Saudi royal family and wound up turning into a spy. So um, I was here in New York, (laughs) and he was based in San Francisco in the headquarters office. So I would see him around when I was there, um, which was pretty often, but I didn't work with him that closely. But my friend um, was in that office and interacted with him more than I did. Um, He and I were freaking out when we saw this article. We read the 27-page indictment, uh, which was fucking bananas. The guy was, while working at Twitter, accepting hundreds of thousands of dollars and payments through a bank account in Lebanon. He was receiving gifts like a gold Hublot Unico Big Bang watch, which was worth about $25,000. And then he lied to the FBI about it and said it was garbage and worth $500. So my friend and I were texting in this like stunned state because right before the news broke, there was this hashtag trending on Twitter, hashtag one team which is the internal Twitter rallying cry of corporate togetherness. So Twitter must have been having like some kind of all hands pep rally at the same time that this news is coming out. And, the, yeah. and so the juxtaposition <laughs> was like really bizarre. And so I called my friend and uh, bear in mind that we are both uh, in a state of extreme shock during this conversation. Here are some excerpts. So I am Josh Grau, and I worked at Twitter from 2010 to 2016. So there, when it was an innocent time, an innocent place, democracy was happening, and we were like, sure, um, I guess we just helped the Arab Spring like be more communicative. Yes, but it was like on the forefront of these democratic movements. Right. We were were like absolutely empowering people to have a voice and it was amazing and it was great. And then you came along and we started working together and, you know, the global media team, global media team. I'm like running marketing for all that. You're doing your entertainment partnership stuff, like all good in the neighborhood and fast forward to today <laughs> and, and we what have <laughs> and we have just discovered that we were working amongst spies like, <laughs> like literally interacting with them full-on interaction like of of the two i worked pr- pretty closely with the one the one who is a um, an American citizen. So the guy's name was Ahmad, right? Right. And I like, I was like, I saw his name. It looked very familiar. I mean, I worked in the New York office. He was in San Francisco, which is where you were. But I yep. knew that name and I Googled him and I found a picture and I was like, I have definitely had conversations with that person. I have been in meetings with that person. He was on my team. Like, you know, he was at the Global Media Summit. I'm sure you've interacted with him more than I did. But, um, like, tell me, like, do you recall anything specific? Like, I just, all I remember was that, like, when I saw his picture, I had, like, warm feelings. Like, I was like, this was a nice person. Like, I would be, he's either a great spy or, like, I would be the worst counterintelligence agent on earth. I think it's a little bit of both because (laughs) one, 
in general, I would never fancy myself a great counterintelligence agent. I would just get too bored, like stakeouts and whatever. Um, but um, he could not have been a nicer person. I mean, it truly <laughs> was a shock to my system. I, I have vivid memories of chatting with him and he's asking me for, you know, sort of help in terms of um, expanding the influencer network and also the advertising community, you know, across the MENA region and just so nice. And I'm, you know, giving him my extra time because, you know, it's a smaller region and maybe not as big as a priority, but, you know, in my world, like, hey, we've got a, it's a global brand. And all the while, he is just delivering information to the enemy. I mean, I'm just, I, it truly is one of those things where I, like, I feel like I'm watching a movie, but I am actually a cast member in that movie. I know. It's like we're adjacent. We are, like, so news adjacent. We're, like, practically, we're in it right now. This is, like. Right. I mean, I. I just listened to the audiobook of Super Pumped and like my blood was boiling because I, I distinctly remember those co-founders, the, the three of them coming into Twitter in 2010 and giving us free ride vouchers, you know, trying to create product market fit or whatever with the tech elite at the hot new companies. And so I had this feeling of, oh, uh, like I don't know them personally, but like I've interacted with them and I just... I feel gross and a little responsible, but this is on the nose because I might have been in like meetings with this guy. Yeah. This. Like, did you ever like have lunch with him? I 100 per like we, I like, like let's go to the chicken finger bar and like figure out scale. I mean, those oh, literally oh were my God. that happened. So um, I feel um, betrayed. I feel um, uh, stunned on so many levels, but I mean, it's this day so and age, crazy. Everything, everything that's going on, if you like macro view it, it's not surprising at all, right? I mean, you've got Mark Zuckerberg, who is intentionally trying to ruin the democracy, like one fake political ad at a time, like WeWork is like drifting the day away. I mean, it's just, you know, ad more fuel to the fire but this was just i had to text you like immediately to be like wait a minute like this was someone in our in, in our like, group our, in our, our department team. right <laughs> but the thing is like i don't remember ever having access to people's actual names and phone numbers so he must have somehow gotten access to an area of like the system that that we generally didn't have or maybe oh. like I had it, but didn't know I had it. No, he is like the born supremacy here because like I couldn't even get someone verified without having to go through war. And suddenly he's getting access to all of this information and like deliver, what did he deliver it like in an Excel file? I don't even know, but clearly he had some special uh, undercover ops skills that were um, well above our pay grade, but just the timing could not be more uncanny. It's like hashtag one team in my feed and then breaking news. This man that you worked fairly closely with <laughs> was leading a double life and 
was acting like a legit spy. And I Le- feel like Silicon Valley is crawling with spies. Like I think that this is the tip of the iceberg. And if Twitter had two Saudi spies, Facebook has probably hundreds of them. Oh, I, there's no doubt about it. Okay, well, once again, uh, once again, Rachel, it is incredible who you know and who you know knows. Uh, we have boots on the ground everywhere. We do. Whether it's, whether it's uh, <clears throat> Rock All in the middle of the North Atlantic where we have connections. Or <laughs> yeah, to that dudes. band, to the Wolf Tones. <laughs> we have all kinds of connections to people that we didn't even know. We are so, so. news adjacent. We really are. Um, We're not the news. It's better to be news adjacent. It, it is. Than in, in the, nobody wants to be in the news nowadays. Better to be adjacent. Better to be next to it. <laughs> like sort of <laughs> here while they're there. Um, so okay. I, I just think if this this story about the spies proves anything. It is nope to hashtag one team. Um, this is a hashtag that people who worked at the company sent to me via DM on the day that I got laid off. And they were like, hashtag, you'll always be part of hashtag one team. I was like, no, actually, I'm no longer part of the team. <laughs> there are two teams. There's the team that works there. There's the team that was escorted out of the building. But clearly, my former colleague, Ahmad Abuamo, was working for two teams, even when he was part of Twitter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I, nope to all that. Nope, nope to working with down. spies. Silicon Valley, buckle up. This is just the beginning of a huge note. <laughs> okay. Wow, that was a wild and wacky episode. We we hit all the corners of insanity. We did. It was an insane week. It's, yeah. I mean, we... I need to gather... <laughs> I need, yeah, I mean, I'm just exhausted. It has been just such a wild week, not just in the news, but personally, just crazy times all around. Well, Let's just let's just take a meditative meditative moment to gather our wits and to say these are the ups. These are the little beacons of light, the little rays of hope that kept us going. I am going to start with a um, counterintuitive yup this week. We have been trashing all of the tech world. We've been trashing Facebook. We've been trashing WeWork and Twitter. But I am going to give my yup to Twitter because this week they decided to ban political ads completely. So for once, Jack Dorsey decided to do the right thing. And um, I think, you know, I agree. This, facade that, this facade that that these are just, you know, platforms and they have no influence over what people say over them is nonsense. We've all known it's nonsense for a long time. It's a matter of time before everyone else either comes to that, their own conclusion or it gets regulated that way. So good for Twitter for owning that issue and coming out in front of it. Um, they had a lot to lose by doing it. Yes. But, uh, Kudos to you, Twitter. Of, yeah. Yeah. That right. Was, that's my up. That Rachel? was a very smart move. Yes. My up goes to the Democrats who are killing the game, especially in Virginia, where they now control the entire state government for the first time since 1993. And in Kentucky, where um, Attorney General Andy Bashir narrowly defeated the moron incumbent Matt Bevin. So that was very oh, exciting. The final results are not confirmed yet. Oh, right. Come on. Um, and But like my yup especially goes to a woman named Julie Briskman. She, I don't know if you remember, she's the woman who got fired from her job a couple of years ago because she flipped the bird to Trump's motorcade when she was riding her bike. And um, the photo went viral and she, she got fired. So now she flipped a Republican seat on the Loudoun County Board <gasps> of Supervisors. And you know what's in oh, Loudoun County? Oh, and she's County? a public official? Yeah, she's, yes, she's... Uh, she, what's in Loudoun County? Oh, the Trump, the Trump Golf the Course. The Trump in, uh, Sterling Loudoun Virginia County. Golf Club, yes. 
So uh, that, that's, so she is now the rep. She now is on the board of supervisors or whatever for that the county. The Trump that, property. Yes. So good for you, Julie. Um, that is sweet, sweet irony and very delicious. <laughs> sweet revenge. Sweet revenge. It's best okay. served cold. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm exhausted. Thank you all for listening. What a terrible week. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please, we say it every week because we mean it. Please subscribe. Don't just listen once. Subscribe. Get your friends to subscribe. Rate, review. Uh, do everything you can to help it. This is a rocket ship. We want you to be part of the journey. We don't want you to be left behind, earthbound, while we zoom up to the stars. No earthlings left behind. <laughs> That's our okay, policy. it's 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 late. I'm on vacation. I'll be back next week in person when we will have a another lively dining room table conversation. Yes, thank you for listening. Um, I hope this week is better. This this one's been terrible. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. This is this week in nope. the podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot in common. We can talk about nothing. Yeah.